0: This morning we'll preach, uh, I'll preach in uh, Genesis chapter 15. And my hope uh, this morning is uh, to highlight how God is committed to us. He is committed to us. So that's that's my goal. So Genesis 15, before we uh, read, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we come before you. Uh, asking that you would uh, be gracious to us this morning, uh, speak to us. We ask that your Spirit would uh, touch our minds, help us understand uh, your Holy Scripture, help us see you anew, help us see how committed you are to us, to your people, to bless us. We ask uh, that you use, uh, th- that your Spirit would touch also our hearts, help us love you, help us uh, give us a desire to follow you, Father. Thank you for today. Thank you. Speak to us. Be gracious to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Genesis 15. Read. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and uh, the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had come gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephrim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Ger- Gergesites, and the Jebusite. This is God's word. So this uh, text we uh, read is a is a narrative, and uh, this narrative reports a an, an interaction, mostly a dialogue that took place between God and His servant Abraham. It happened after Abraham defeated a coalition of kings who had taken his cousin, uh, his nephew Lot, captive with the possessions of the kings of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. At the end of the battle, uh, Abram was victorious. At the end of the battle, he didn't take any spoils for himself. He didn't want those kings to say that they have contributed to his wealth. So, that's... Chapter fifteen, is before, in, in in chapter fourteen, before uh, uh, the text we just read, now God showed up to Abraham, and he pr- introduced himself as his shield. Verse one: He is his protector. He promised him a very great reward. Now, God, the creator of the universe, promised, promised Abraham a very great reward. This is not a small thing. If God said, "I promise you a, a little, a little something," that in and of itself, is big. But for God to say, I have a very great reward for you, that's a big thing. That's significant. It's interesting, you see... Huh, okay. Let me put this right here. Alright. So, imagine that... that Abram is, is, is listening to this, receive the reward, great reward, but his response in verse 2 and 3 is almost dismissive. You know, for him... He is expressing a concern that's totally different from what the reward He didn't even ask a question what is that reward? For Abram, what's most important to him? There's nothing, no achievement, no reward that's greater than a child. For him, he's, he's childless. His wife is barren. His servant will be his heir. Imagine a patriarchal society. That's a big deal. The man, he has a lot of wealth already, but he has no children of his own. That's a great concern for Abram. So even to the promise of the Lord, he could not hear the promise. He could not hold on to the promise. He is so wrapped up in what he really wants. A lot of us, we can be like that. We are so focused on what we want that we can sometimes completely ignore what God is doing through us. For example, you can be so dissatisfied at work and you want a new job. You're praying for that new job. You want that new job, but you ignore completely what God is doing through you at that workplace. Or maybe what God is teaching you about himself in this situation. Or what God is revealing about you in this situation. But we want, this is what I want. I want a new job. Abraham, I don't care about your reward. He's not going to say it out loud. But deeply, his response revealed, what I really want is a child. What can you really give me that's more than that? And again, here I, I, I can, I'm sensitive to maybe some of you uh, are dealing with the, the hardship of barrenness. And that can be something that is so consuming. You prayed, you fasted, you've gone through all kinds of uh, fertility treatment, and no success. And you know, and you, you, can, you can know you have people in your family, but probably friends, going through a similar situation. This, this is eating you. You've done everything, and some people may feel like incomplete, insufficient because they are barren; they cannot have children. Like Abram, he recognized in this text, he recognized that children are from the Lord. So I would encourage you, if any of you are going through this, this the, the, the difficulty of barrenness, I encourage you to pray. Continue to pray. Because children are from the Lord. But as you do that, remain mindful of what the Spirit of God is doing through you. Because you are His servant. He is advancing His kingdom through you. You see, friends... God uses human beings to execute His plans for humanity. That's His preferred way of doing things in this world. He uses people like us to advance His plan. And in this section, in this story, He's using Abram. God is committed to bless all the families of the earth. And He wants to do that through Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 reads... Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's, father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. Here we go. Great nation. Great reward. Great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will... I will, um, And you will disown, And you... Sorry, in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. All the families of the earth will be blessed through Abram. There are a couple of things I want to highlight from this uh, text here. Great nation. First of all, first of all, God took the initiative. This is not Abram's idea. God's plan. So God has the uh, power and the authority to bring this about. But second, a nation. There are four key elements that form a nation. It's the people, the land, the law, and the government. Abraham has none of it. He is an old, childless, nomad. Abraham has nothing significant, nothing of value to contribute to this promise. Nothing, Zero. So it's a big deal for Abram as he's listening to this great promise, great reward that God gave him. What is fascinating in reading this is that God did not rebuke Abram. He didn't. He acknowledged Abram's concern. This is the very, the very. The, this, this is very loving of God. The God of the universe makes a great promise to a servant. A lowly servant. The man almost dismissed the promise. God didn't rebuke him. He listens to him. He hears him. It's as though God, God is saying in his response, I know you don't have a child. I will give you children. I'll give you so many of them that you will not be able to count them. I will do that. I'm committed to do that. That's God's that God's response to Abram, in verse six, Abram believed it. He believed it. He held on to that promise by faith, by faith in the one who made the promise, because he he has nothing to do. He has nothing to contribute to it. He has nothing good to offer to bring it about. In verse seven, God continues with his promise. He says, "I am the Lord who brought you out from." of the Chaldeans to give you this land to to possess. And this is really, here God is repeating a promise he's already made to him. In verse 12, chapter 12, verse 7, God says, to your offspring, I I will give this land. So this is not new for Abraham. But Abraham seems to be overwhelmed with all this. Look at his response in verse 8. But how am I to know that I shall possess it? Abraham said, well, Look, I mean, you're throwing a lot at me here. I, I mean, I mean, this is so much, too. This is way too much for me. Give me something, something to hold on to. How am I to know? Give me something. And God will respond to that. Here's one thing I think something we can learn from this, from Abraham's attitude toward God. Abraham was not afraid of expressing his struggle before God. He he, he is struggling with this. This is way too much for me to bear. But he clearly stated, Look, give me something. How am I to know this? So, as you go through difficulties, I encourage you to pray and pray and express all your heart out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Cry before Him. If you're struggling to believe something, say it. Father, I'm struggling with this. But you're not struggling. I'm confused, Lord, but I know you're not confused. Father, I need a promise. You're the one who controls the whole world. Right now, I'm weak, but you're strong. You see, Abraham is not afraid to express this concern to the Lord. And God actually answers Abraham's prayer. He uses the most powerful language of the time to convey to Abraham that he will fulfill that promise. God cuts a covenant with Abraham on that day. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about covenant. Because it's, uh, uh, it's important to talk about that historical context so to, to, for, for us to grasp the, the force of this passage. So what is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement. It's a, it's a promise. A promise between two or more people. The word covenant is shown over 200 times in the Old Testament. And even in time, in places in the Bible where the word is not used, there's a covenant being cut. So covenant is very important in God's language. In in our modern culture, we don't use the word often, but yet we continue with the same context, the same concept. Marriage is a covenant a wedding for example is a public ceremony that seal that covenant you have witnesses we have two people making a pledge making a promise to one another in front of witnesses that they're cutting a covenant and it, it they do they decide to do this until death do them part it is a lifelong relationship marriage is a covenant So, the cutting of covenant was the most common form, was very common in Near East culture. That's the time when Abraham was living in. So, Abraham, for him, when God says, go get those animals, Abraham understood very clearly what was happening. Go get the heifer uh, three years old. Go get the goat three years old. Abraham realized, oh boy, I'm about to enter a covenant with God himself. And for God, for Abraham asking, asking, look, I need, a, I need a promise. I need some way to know, some way to know that this will come true. Because I have nothing to offer here. God says, "Okay, I'm going to cut a covenant with you." God is saying, "I mean business." Abraham is cutting a covenant with God Himself. Now, in the time, ta- in the, that time, the sovereign vassal treaty format it was the most common format of cutting a covenant and what happens in uh, this uh, format is that the a greater king would uh uh, commit himself to protect a lesser king in return for allegiance for love for trust and the greater the lesser king has really nothing to offer the, the 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 material to offer the greater king except to just obey him to, to, to trust him, it really to, to love him. Now, if the lesser king were to bow before another king, that would break the covenant. And as you know, the result will be death, because no greater king would accept that. Usually, in the, the Susan Vassal Treaty of the Hittites, there's a public ceremony that takes place. In the public ceremony, and this, this thing... This format was happening even way before the Bible, the first word of the Bible was ever written. It was very common in the region where Abraham was living. That's That's why when God says, go get these animals, Abraham understood this. That was clear for him what was happening. So in the public ceremony, what was taking place, they would take animals and cut the animals in half. To show that this is what will happen to anyone who breaks the terms of the covenant. And they would put the animals in half, separate them, and both parties, the greater king and the lesser king, would walk among the animal carcasses just to show that as I'm walking this, I stand according to the terms of this covenant. If I break it, may my body be broken like these animals I'm walking between. Do you understand this? That's that's a cultural context of the covenant in that time. So God... Himself. So when 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 you read that Abraham fell asleep and in, in in God in the form of a smoking firepot and a flaming torch walked between the dead animals, what does that mean? That means that God Himself took on the full responsibility for the covenant. He is the pledger and the guarantor of that covenant. Because normally when two people are walking to that to that to, to the bed carcasses, they're telling to themselves, if I, if, I, if I disobey, if I break this covenant, I'm, i I will die. That's the section of this covenant. But when God put Abraham aside, fall asleep, God himself walking in between, between those processes, he says, I will obey this covenant, and if there is any disobedience of this term of the covenant, I will pay for it. God means business. He is so committed to raise a people for himself, a people for his own possession. I'll obey for them, and if they disobey, I'll pay the punishment for them. That's what that ceremony looks like. That's what it means. Now, we know that Abraham had a child. So yes, he did have a child, Isaac. And it ended up having a nation, Israel. They had the land. So everything that God promised him, they had. But all those things, Isaac, the people, the land, all those were types of a reality. The true fulfillment of the promise that God gave Abraham is found in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the true son of Abraham. Jesus is the true Israel who actually will obey the stipulation of the covenant. And for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we too are Abraham's children. We are included in God's, in this promise. And uh, Paul, Paul, uh, right in Galatians chapter uh, 3 verse 39, he says, if you, are, if, uh, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And if you are, if you're here and you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, well... This promise. It's not for you. You're on your own if there's a dis- disobedience of the covenant. And when the Lord Jesus Christ was, uh, was uh, instituting the Lord's Supper, and He says to His disciples, take, eat, this is my body. And He grabbed the cup and says, here's the cup. There's the blood of the covenant which is poured out. For many, for the forgiveness of our sins. So this sacrifice that on the cross is a covenantal sacrifice; is a covenantal death. Jesus paid for the because what happened? We we realize that Abram, even after you read chapter fifteen, go to chapter sixteen, Abraham did not really obey fully the terms of the covenant. He did not trust God because he took matters into his own hands. Right after God promised him to give him a child, right after God cut a covenant with him, Abraham went on to have a child with a mistress. Disobeyed the terms of the covenant because he was not trusting the king who made the promise. The children of Abraham, Israel, they bowed before idols. They broke the term of this covenant. And because they broke the term of the covenant, they deserve death. Now, this is not the first time that God cut a covenant with human beings. He cut a covenant with Adam. In Adam in the Garden of Eden, he made a covenant with them to obey. Adam ought to obey God fully in the Garden. But Adam did not obey Him. So all of children of Adam then, now, they are rebels. Covenant breakers. And deserve death. But God, in His mercy, decides to rescue a people for Himself and cuts a new covenant with Abram. So, if you're here, if you are a a believer in Christ and you are in Christ, this promise to Abram is yours. You are in this promise. But even if you're not a believer in Christ, you still are in a covenant with God and you're still a covenant breaker because the covenant made with Adam was broken. You deserve death. So all of us, we deserve death in of ourselves. Unless you are part of this promise where God himself says, you know, I will pay for it all. In fact, this is more than a covenant. This is a gift. Because nothing, nothing Adam had to offer. The king had it all. It's a grit. It's more than a covenant. So it, so as we read this story, it's not just as, we should not be looking at it as though we are looking through a window as just removed observers. We are very much involved in this story. It is applied to us. It's applicable to us. Because we are covenant breakers if we are in Adam. But if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are in Abraham, child of Abraham. This promise, this grant is our grant. We are heirs of this promise. Heirs of this grant. All that is accomplished in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. God is so committed to rescue a people for himself. That he would not let anything come in his way. Not even an old, childless nomad. He promised him a nation. He gave him a nation. In fact, God, to make it clear to Abram, he explains to him, this is what will happen to your children. They'll go live in a country that's not going to be yet theirs. They'll be afflicted. But I remember my promise, they will come back here and I will give them the land. That's amazing. That's great. It's a great reward for a man who has no children. That's grace. Because there's nothing he has to offer the king. For him to believe it, that's faith. That's great faith. So, as we read this, as we see how God committed Himself to bring this about and bring it about through a human being, I think we ought to recognize that God is continuing to build a nation for Himself. It is the church. And he's doing that through us, for the children of Abraham. The promise is still alive. The promise is still active. God is actively building a nation for himself. This time, not just a particular group of people born of, you just to make it clear, it's not ethnically driven, ethnically bound. It is by faith faith in the one Jesus Christ all nations so that great nation he promised Abram is not just ethnically bound it's important the church is an expression of what God intended all along people of every nation every tribe, every tongue how do you explain that I a man born in Haiti can call you brother and sister and that is forever forever. It's because of this promise. God committed himself to build a nation of people for himself. He'll obey because Christ obeyed fully the term of the covenant. And if there's this obedience, yes, God is just. Somebody will be punished. But because he promised that I will pay for it in Christ. All the punishment, all God's wrath is poured out. It's a sacrificial commitment. On the cross, Jesus is the expression of God's love and God's commitment, sacrificial commitment to his people. So when we we pray, when we approach the throne, Know that you approach a throne, the throne of the king who is committed to you. I like the way Paul puts it. He says in, in Romans uh, chapter 8 verse 31. I'm going to read the 31 to 39. It's long, but I think it's, it's important for us. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Think about that. Think about that. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who has who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Wow. Wow. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in our creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the commitment. That's the commitment. That's the commitment. Since Genesis, since Genesis, Abram, he walked by himself among these pieces. I will fulfill this. I will make it happen. I'm committed to my people. That's what the force behind our prayers. When we are struggling, daddy, I'm struggling. Daddy, I'm weak. Daddy, my marriage is in shambles. Daddy, my children are giving me a hard time. He did not rebuke Abram. He acknowledged it. I hear you. I see. And I will do something about it. Now, it may take a while. It may take a while. It took Abram a while to see a child. But God is faithful to his promises. So faithful. So committed. So how, 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 do we, how else can, can, can we respond? There are a couple of things I want to highlight to help us as we live our life in light of this commitment. I mentioned earlier that uh, in our culture, the most common form of covenant that we cut is Marriage. And I think, as Christians, especially this day and age, where heterosexual marriage is really is being challenged, especially in the sense of you know, gay marriage, which is really a rebellion against the Lord. How you live becomes a gospel message. How committed you are to one another becomes a gospel message. In fact, Paul applies the concept of covenant to marriage, to the church. He says, husband, love your wife as Christ loves the church. That's the image, the commitment. Christ is the example. Even for you, wife, you honor your husband. Because it's as an honor, as a way of worship of the Lord. So marriage, a covenant, a commitment. In fact, in the Bible, God often uses marriage as a way to show how committed he is to his people. Israel. Very often, you first to Israel as his wife. And he, sometimes when he's mistreating him, he says, you're running around with other men. So, as we live, knowing that God is committed to us, if you're married, honor the commitment of your marriage. If you're single, well, you are in a committed relationship with the Lord, your allegiance and your trust is toward Him. And if you're here and you hear and you you really you're not a believer and this whole thing is just weird to you, God is committed to build a nation for Himself. So committed that He gives you a way to reconcile with Him. It is by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. God is committed to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being so committed toward us. Thank you for this great promise you gave Abram. Thousands of years ago. He had nothing to offer. You give it all to him. This covenant was beyond just a covenant, it's, it's, it's a grant, it's a gift. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for bringing it about. Thank you for Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of that covenant the fulfillment of that promise. Thank you for including us as your people, as your elect into this promise by faith. Father, as we live, we ask that you empower us to live a life of allegiance to you, a life that reflect that we trust you. Even as we struggle in our in 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 Sometimes in sin and there's areas of failures that we are reminded of. Help us know that you're so committed to us that uh, Christ died for the sin. Thank you for making a way when there was no way for Abraham. And you continue to do that today. Do that today in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.